around the world and coast to coast. This is the Phil Nason Show. You're listening to AFR, the Armed Forces Radio Network. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. I am so happy to have you here. We're heard exclusively on Armed Forces Radio. You can find us on every podcast catcher on demand. You can also come to philnasonshow.com and listen on demand. Find some great stuff. Make some cash. Betting football. And sites like Bovada, who also sponsor us, as well as the Dollar Shave Club. I'll tell you what, basketball, the ball's going to be in the air for real in about nine days. And I have a very special guest today. He's someone I discovered, actually. He was in a Facebook group that I was in, a Thunder, Oklahoma City Thunder Facebook group of all places. His name is R.K. Anthony. He writes for WelcomeToLoudCity.com. Please welcome him to the show. R.K., you are in the house. Hey, Phil, what's going on? What's happening, dude? It's nice to have you here. It's great to be here. It's a thrill to be here, Phil. You're the I mean, only like one who said, listens regularly. You know, it's uh, one of those things, like I said, like you said, I was just shooting my mouth off on Facebook, and you said, hey, dude, you need to write a blog. <laughs> That's right, I did, didn't I? Yeah. That's, that was exactly what you said, and I was like, I have no idea how to write a blog. And you said, See, well, let me turn you on to a guy. I hit you with the dude thing. See, that's when I talk to my friends, when I say dude. I don't say dude to most Thunder fans, but I say dude to you. But now the Thunder fans are cool. You know, they just disagree with me sometimes, I guess. But the bottom line is, is you write for Welcome to Loud City. And what's the name of the column that you do? It's called Sounds of Thunder. Sounds of Thunder. And you also host a Facebook Live show, a pregame show, correct? Pregame, halftime, if uh, the hours permit. A postgame show in case, unless milk and cookie time insists with the early start time for the 9 to 5 job. But as long as we're not playing the games too late, I could try to do all three. Wow, that's pretty ambitious of you. I knew that you were going to do well over there, and you have. I know that uh, J.A. Sherman is thrilled with you. He was here last week. He, he's been here for, I guess, six seasons now, and, and now you're here for season number one. And what I thought we would do, we'll talk about the Thunder a little bit, but not yet. What I okay. thought we would do is take a look at the West, let you uh, branch out a bit, and we'll take a look at the teams that made the playoffs last year. And I think that there's going to be some changes this year. Let's start with the Warriors. They have new acquisitions. Omri Caspi, they have Nick Young, and then they have their death squad. I got them as the number one seed in the West again. I, I don't see anybody taking that away from them. What do you think about the Warriors? Barring a major injury uh, glut like the Thunder went through a few years ago, I don't think there's anybody that's going to knock them off the number one spot. They're not going to have any real change in their rhythm. They're going to hit the ground running and you know, not even have to go through any of the growing pains of a team that won 67 games last year. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. They return Livingston and Iguodala. I think Omri Caspi is a great addition. They brought back David West, too, and Swaggy P. Swaggy can shoot. They also have JaVale McGee. They've got a good team, a really good team. I don't think they're going to win the whole thing this year, but I think they'll be number one in the West at least. What do you see happening with that team? Can they be legendary? Because Clay Thompson said the other day that they were chasing the Bulls. Now, I think that's kind of silly to chase anybody when you're the best thing going. But what do you think? Can they actually win more than 73 games? 
Mm, anything is, you know, I never, I never say never, but, uh, when he says chasing the bulls, is he, is he talking about their seven championships? Well, there are six championships. Yeah, maybe. Because he also said that he wasn't going to accept less money like Kevin Durant did. Uh, you talk, you, you can say Kevin Durant's name. Uh, on your show. On your uh-huh. show, I, you know, I, I can branch out and spread my wings a little bit and say it, but uh, generally, it's at, I, you know, I don't say KD anymore. I just right. it's either Kevin Durant, Durant, or number thirty-five, or he who shall not be named. Yeah, that's what uh, Sherm did the other day. But uh, I had to stop calling him Mister Unreliable after they won the championship. That kind of was hard. That really hurt me because. You know, I was on top of his game years ago, and I tried to explain why he wouldn't come back, who he was. No one wanted to listen, but it doesn't matter because he's happy there for now, and why not? And he took less money. Clay Thompson, I look for Clay Thompson to probably not resign with the Warriors. I don't even know if he's going to make it through the season. They may trade him. You never know. He's worth something, and I think that they can get something for him. I at least that's what I, I think. I'd like to think that anyway. I believe that they can get something for him. I don't think they need much, but, man, that's a great team. I think, really, Kevin Durant messed that bunch up, to be honest with you, because they were really good before he got there. Well, they didn't need him. As, well, as far as it. needing him, they didn't need him. But, you know, it was a good move for, for, for Durant. Um, well, sure. You know, I think it fit his personality much better. <laughs> you know, where it's a situation where it's not all on his shoulders. He's not comfortable with that scenario, I don't think. No, I don't either. What about the Spurs? They were they finished the season last year at the number two seed. What do well, you think question, about the Spurs? The big, big question with the Spurs is just how far is is uh, uh, Patty Mills going to be able to carry them? You know, uh, kind of surprised everyone in the playoffs last year. In fact, he they almost played better. With with uh, Patty Mills, you know, uh, running the the the, fir- the first team, but you know, over a, the long haul of a season, and they they're saying that Parker may not be back through February. Can he keep them on a sixty-one win pace? It's hard to say. You know, he's he's got. I like him. I like him a lot. But you know, Tony Parker is just one of those special players that that uh, you know knows pop systems so 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 well that. Uh, and then once he gets back. Once Parker does get back, how long is it going to take him to get back in the groove, if ever? Well, that's a good point. I'm thinking that they'll probably, obviously, make the playoffs. Whether they make the number two seed or not is another thing. But I think they're a top four team for sure, though. I think they I mean, have to be. You still have that that old that old guy over there on the sideline, the, you know, Mister Bring the Nasty. Oh Greg well, Popovich, yeah. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Coach Popovich, he's a fantasy basketball killer. <laughs> he really is. He's a killer. But, you know, there's issues on that team, though. I know Paul Gasol took less money, and, of course, you have the Kawhi Leonard, the claw, the man, the myth, the real legend. Yeah. I think he's going to be all right, too. Uh, I'm I'm curious, though. DeJounte Murray, I think if they start him and bring Patty Mills off the bench a game, I think they're going to give themselves more depth. They'll have reliability coming off the bench. And I also think, I have to think that Rudy Gay is going to be a very good player in that system once he's completely healthy. I think this is a good team. The real wild card, of course, is LaMarcus Aldridge. 
he, how do I put this? He chokes. He's, uh, it, you know, at the time when they when they signed me, you thought, oh, you know, this this is going to just keep their their legacy going forever. But he's definitely no Timmy Duncan. Um, the key with Lamarcus, you know, to defend him is just keep pushing him away from the basket, and he just keeps giving ground until he takes himself right out of his own range. And uh, that's, you know, that's the way the Thunder beat him uh, in the in the playoffs a few years ago. Uh, I think that'll be the strategy that they'll go against, you know, with, you know, against the, uh, the, the Spurs every time they play him. It's just keep him off his good spots and let him just kind of, kind of squallow around the 10 point range and, not he just is not the player that I felt he he's definitely not as good a player or as dangerous a player I think now as he was when he was with the Trailblazers. Well, yeah, but when he was with the Trailblazers, he stayed on the left side of the court, down by mm-hmm. the block, and then he would hit those fades and those turnarounds from eight to twelve feet. That was Lamarcus Aldridge. Lamarcus, I don't know. I I do know this though, that bench is not bad. Davis Bertans is a nice player. They picked up Jeffrey Jeffrey Laverne too, and that's that was a very good acquisition. I like this Spurs team. I always like the Spurs. It's hard to go against the Spurs. I I agree with you. I think top four. It just depends. You you know you're dealing with Paul Gasol, who's getting older. Lamarcus, who doesn't really uh, pay attention, isn't in the game all the time. The other mm-hmm. thing though, the other thing about this team is they had Danny Green supposedly on the trade block this year. Right. How does that affect him? How how does that mentally affect him? I mean, he's doing all right right now in the preseason, but that's got a weigh on him. And he's a terrific perimeter defender. Well, he's just you know I I think in uh, any system that involves Greg Popovich, you know, he just you know you've got an issue. Here's a tissue. Let's go <laughs> play ball. I don't think I don't think I don't think Pops lets that sort of drama. Could, you know, invade his court, and if it does, you know, you know, there's other places for you to go play, and I don't think he minces any words about it. I think he's earned that right to be able to say that, where most coaches really can't. Yeah, you want to talk about a coach, Kevin McHale, former coach. The Houston Rockets are uh, finished the se- finished last season third in the West. Kevin McHale says that James Harden wasn't a starter or wasn't a uh, leader. And James Harden called him a clown. Said he didn't teach him how to lead. What do you make of that? You used to you're covering the Thunder. You're used to seeing James Harden a little bit. What did you think about all that? Well, you know, with uh, as you pointed out, the Rockets finished third uh, last year under Dan Antoni, but they went to the conference finals. You know, under Kevin McHale, and you know Kevin McHale played in an era when he got to watch Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. I mean, so he saw some of the, two of the best leaders this game has ever seen. And when you, I guess when you're kind of comparing, and, and did have you actually listened to what Kevin McHale said? I mean, because he just gushed over, uh, over Harden's skills oh, and yeah. his versatility. He just said he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the, the traditional leader. Like, and he brought up Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and I'm like, dude, you know, you're talking about Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, you know. Though, and I don't think that that. James Harden is in that ilk as far as being a leader. 
He's not in that category as far as being a basketball player. No, the truth. exactly. And, you know, I, I think what Kevin McHale's point was, was that you're bringing in Paul, I mean, I'm sorry, Chris Paul, that uh, is really more of that traditional, you know, type leader, you know, kind of hold everybody accountable on both ends of the floor. I thought, I thought McHale made an excellent point that, you know, just exactly how accountable can, a guy that wins Shaq and a fool because of his horrible defense, how how accountable can he hold his teammates on the defensive end of the floor? That's a very good point, too. He can't. That's oh. all that's all it is. You know, Kevin McHale knows a little thing or two about leadership too. He was a pretty vocal guy with the Celtics. But you did mention Chris Paul. They did add him this season, off season. They also add, added PJ Tucker. And they also added Luke Mabuamut. They got better defensively. There's no question about it because Chris Paul's not only one of the best point guards in the game, but he's also one of the best defensive point guards in the game. He consistently leads the NBA and RPM. I mean, by a long shot. This is a big signing for them, I think. Alongside of these other guys, you got him and Harden. P.J. Tucker can shoot. Plus, he's a mm-hmm. veteran. Trevor Ariza can shoot. Clint Capella, in the pick and roll, you're going to see nothing but dunks coming out of that kid. I got to tell you, and then you got the returning uh, sixth man of the year, Eric Gordon. That's not a bad pickup. Then they got Nene back. Ryan Anderson is kind of out there, left out in the cold a little bit, but they expect things from him. They also signed or picked up a kid, Troy Williams, from the Memphis Grizzlies. This is a really loaded team. Does this team go from three to two, though? Well, is it me, or did P.J. Tucker get bigger over the summer? He got a lot bigger, dude. Whoa. He has to, though, to play on that team. I didn't recognize him. I didn't recognize him the other night. And I had to look twice, and I said, wow, that's P.J. Tucker. Um, I mean, he's big enough. If if, if need be, they could they, they, he could take Ryan Anderson's spot if Ryan Anderson's struggling. He's, he, that, kid, that guy's a that's that's a that's a lot of basketball player out there. Just he looks like uh, <laughs> a linebacker. Well, he does. That's exactly right. He does. But that bodes well for him. Um, he needs to do that. He needed to bulk up because mm-hmm. he is getting older, you know. And it is what it is. But uh, I still think the Rockets, and I think Ryan Anderson is going to be fine in that team. Still, I read something the other day about that, and I think I have to agree. I like this Rockets team. I think it's going to be interesting, though. The one thing about it is you've got Chris Paul, who traditionally likes to play slow, but you have Coach Mike D'Antoni, who likes to play fast. Now, I don't know how that's going to always work. It looks like they're going to stagger the minutes between him and Harden and then just have them both on the floor at the end of the game together. That might work. I don't know how it could work playing side-by-side for 32 minutes each, but if they do what I think they're going to do, what they say they're going to do, that's going to be a good basketball team. We saw that when they played the um, preseason game against the Thunder. Well, the you know they win that matchup. The the one thing that worked against the Thunder, obviously not having Russell Westbrook on the floor, uh, didn't have uh, Patrick Patterson or uh, Alex Abrines, and then Billy Donovan played thirteen, fourteen players. You know he was giving everybody a chance while the Rockets stuck with their top eight through the first three quarters. 
and that bowed, uh, you know, played a lot into the lead that the that the Rockets built. But they look like they're ready to go. They sure do. You know who else looks good though? And everybody's talking about them taking a huge tumble because they lost Gordon Hayward, and that was the fourth seed from last season of the Utah Jazz. They added Ricky Rubio, and they added uh, Jonas Jerebko. They've got a decent team. Most Oh, and Tabo Cephalosha also. I like the Utah Jazz. I think I said this last week on my show. I'll say it again. I think all five teams from the Northwest are going to make the playoffs this season. How do you think losing Dante Exum is going to hurt him? Uh, I don't think it is because he hasn't played much anyway. They've got Rubio. Rubio can play for 38 minutes. Yeah. He's 10 times better than Dante Axum. Dante Axum has really been a bust because he's been hurt. He hasn't been healthy since he put on that uniform. So I, I don't think they're going to miss that. I think the guy they need to really step up is Alec Burks, and I think they want him to step up. I think Rodney Hood's a good player. Joe Ingles is another one who they feel can help them a lot. I think so, too, but I think it's Alec Burks. If he gets hurt again this year, forget about it. I don't think they can recover from that. But Dante Exum, eh, the promise is more than what we've seen. That's all I can say about him. Yeah. And, the, it, you know, but just like you said in your show with Sherm the other day, um, that defense is just amazing. Well, the numbers is. that they put up, the, the numbers they put up, uh, and I kept trying to get people to realize – what I was looking at when they traded in Ennis Canner to the Thunder and they go from a lower tier defensive team to putting up historic numbers, you know, taking teams like, well, that year that was, was uh, one of the last years San Antonio was really, you know, opening still, still kind of opening things up. We're scoring 115, 120 points a game. And they go up against the, the Utah jazz right after the, right after the trade and get hold, held to like 89 points. Right, yeah, that's a good point, too. And, you know, those same guys are still there, and now they're older and even better at it. So defense will carry you a long, long way. I know uh, Sherm doesn't think that they're going to have the offense to make it to the playoffs. They may not make it to the number four seed, but I think they're definitely in the playoffs. I think so, too, and I don't think that that offense is going to be that big of an issue. In fact, I think you're going to see it. This is, this is the best point guard Utah has had since John Stockton. I like to mention Darren Williams, but I don't like Darren much. So, and Darren's not even in the NBA. Maybe he'll maybe he'll come back to uh, Salt Lake and play for the Jazz. You never know. But Rubio knows what he's doing. He, he's a terrible shooter. He makes but, stay healthy. Well, that's the that's the other thing. In in Utah's been cursed for the last three seasons. Injuries, injuries, injuries. Last year they lost Derek Favors for over forty games. They lost Rudy Gobert for some time. They lost Hayward for some time. No Alec Burks, no Dante Exum. They had a tough time. But I think they're going to be just fine. Yeah, they're going to be a load. So, uh, you know, I'm with you. I think, they're, I think they make the playoffs. I think like so. Like I said, maybe not the number four seed, but they're, they're going to be, you know, five or six. Maybe may, might be dropped down to as far as seven, but uh, they're going to make the playoffs. I think they have to. What about the Los Angeles Clippers? Scary. When you lose, when you lose a Paul, I mean a Chris Paul, a guy that was so much the the center point of your offense, um, you know, I know they brought in the Gallinari from Denver. That's going to mm-hmm. you know make their front court really strong, 
but I don't think they 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 don't have a lot of depth. And without Paul George, I mean Chris Paul, goodness gracious, without Chris Paul uh, running the show, uh, I just don't think <laughs> you're just going to make up for Chris Paul with a Patrick Beverly. No, you won't. You don't. But here's the thing, though. What they did do, now I've got them missing the playoffs completely. What they did do is they brought in, they they drafted Milos Teodosic, who's going to be a fantastic player. Sam Decker's no slouch. He might have the wrong position because he's playing behind Blake Griffin. But they also brought in Lou Williams, who comes off the bench. That team is going to be decent. They're going to be all right. They're going to have a problem. I agree with you. Without Chris Paul, they're in a big problem, a big one. You know, when you have to uh, mix in time with the coach's son, you're going to have an issue there. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And uh, But uh, this, the mention of Sam Decker, when uh, the Thunder had the, you know, came off, had their last, the last time they had a shot at a lottery pick uh, after the injury season, uh, Decker was one of the players that a lot of the people that were, writing about the draft coming up were high on really, really high on. And he has his moments and it, this could be an interesting year for him, you know, making the move over to the Clippers because, uh, he's, I think he may surprise some folks to this year. Well, he played really good when he had the opportunity in Houston. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we'll get more opportunities in with, in Los Angeles, especially with the, uh, Every, or I should say yearly health issues that Blake Griffin seems to go through. Maybe right. he'll punch somebody or something. You <laughs> never know. You never know with that team. But I, I don't see them making the playoffs in good riddance. I've always considered them a paper tiger. But I would have to think, though, if they don't make the playoffs, Doc Rivers is gone. Could be. I mean, he's already lost his, 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 his front office job, so... That's you know that's a that's a major cut right there. But it's isn't the uh, who was it that took over for him in the front office? Isn't that one of his guys? And he real tight with this guy. Oh well, of course they're always tight, but that don't matter. At the end of the day, he's getting fired. If he if they don't make the playoffs this year, he gets fired. He has to. I it I don't think they would have a lot of choice probably. Well, they've uh, underachieved since he's gotten there. And that, and if especially if uh, there's issues with him playing playing his son too much, then well, that yeah, really, his, really can bite you. His son's okay. I mean, but let's face it: when he was in New Orleans, he couldn't do diddly. Maybe he's going to be like Trey Burke and go from team to team until he figures it out. Possibly, it could happen. It could happen. Well, he had some moments last year, but he really it did. Was yeah, very. Uh, hit and miss you know he would have a good game and then have two weeks of nothing more miss than hit bro right i didn't call you dude that time (laughs) it's easy doing a show with me see this is why sherm comes on here this is a simple show to do now we'll get into your thunder it's time for us to talk about the oklahoma city thunder okay last season they were the sixth seed they've acquired some people the guy has a couple of faces. Yeah, this is one season where where Sam Presti didn't actually lose somebody, um, like an MVP or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Paul George, Carmelo Anthony. Were you surprised about the Carmelo Anthony trade to the Thunder? Yeah, I was. Um, 
you know, especially that late late in the game. Uh, you know, I thought at that point that the Thunder had pretty much decided, you know, we're going to go with what we've got. But uh, you were one of the first people to clue me in on what to expect from Ennis Kanter, and I've never – I mean, he's a great guy. Uh, he was a great teammate. Uh, he was the first, first uh, Thunder player to step up in Russell Westbrook's defense when guys like Colin Cowherd were saying no one wants to play with Russell Westbrook. But he just he has no defensive presence whatsoever. And that was the guy that, you know, when the, when the offseason started, I said the, the, the Thunder need to make a move with, with Ennis Kanter because, you know, you just, there's just no way to cover for a center that can't play defense. You can't hide that. The only thing that's behind him is the basket. And, uh, you know, they would, it was time and time again that Ennis Kanter would come into in, uh, come into the games, and it was just like seeing, uh, you know, the Luftwaffe getting ready to do a blitzkrieg on Poland. You know, just every guard, small forward, anyone that had any handle whatsoever, started ha- attacking the attacking the paint because they knew that Ennis Kanter wasn't there to cover it. And so when when the opportunity came up to move Ennis Kanter for Carmelo Anthony. Um, money-wise, it, I don't think it cost the Thunder that much uh, for the two, con- for, you know, for the contract move. And you bring in a guy like Carmelo Anthony that had a tremendous summer. Uh, it was a great move, and it, it's it at that point, you know, that if you notice, it was what a week later that uh, Russell went ahead and signed his five-year. Uh, super super uh, contract, whatever they call that thing. Mm-hmm, that super max deal. A super max deal, and uh, sure. you know, people were really concerned about Russell signing that. I wasn't. I felt always felt like that he was not going to sign it until they got that third piece, because if you sign the super max, you know, the first year of it, you ha- the th- team is 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 obligated to tie up thirty one percent of their cap space. Right. On that first season, and it would have really, really tied Sam Presti's hands, and it, you know, he, he wouldn't make any more on that supermax contract, whether he signs it this summer or next summer. But if he waits, he, you know, till next summer, you know, he can he can play with the money, you know, give Sam Presti a little room if he needs it. Maybe go with a shorter deal instead of five years. You know, there was there was a lot of things that was that looked appealing for him to move it to the to next summer, but uh, I never was concerned that he wouldn't sign it. I knew that at some point he was going to extend just exactly what, you know, which uh, contract he would sign with, whether it be the Supermax this year or a modified version of it next summer. I didn't really have any doubt that Russell was going to sign. I really think that he's, is what he thinks, what he says. See, he's, he's committed to Oklahoma city. Uh, he's a loyal guy and, uh, you know, 200 and, Whatever million dollars didn't hurt. That shocked me, though. I thought he was gone, too. Because I've been told by people in the NBA that the only way you go to Oklahoma City is if they draft you or trade for you. You don't go there on your own. Although Patrick Patterson has seemed to um, dispel some of that myth. But then again, Patrick not wasn't that big a demand. Although he's going to be pretty good for this basketball team. But Westbrook? To sign that Supermax, okay, that money is appealing because he can't get any more from anybody else. 
that was a good thing. But more importantly, it did show his loyalty. And I was one of the first people to say I admired that. That was an admirable signing. Trading for Paul George. That was interesting, too. See, my thing is with this team, and I don't think that they're going to be um, miss the playoffs, obviously. That would be stupid. I thought last year they would, and they almost did. But I think that this is going to be an issue with, with only having one ball. Depends on, you know, the, you know, how these guys, you know, what, you know, it kind of in their private meetings, I, you know, I was mentioning this to Sherman the other day that at some point they're going to have to sit down and, you know, and make this come to the conclusion. They don't want to be the super team that, that falls on its face. You think they're a super team? I think so. Yeah. Because I, I think don't Carmelo's think, I don't on the think, opposite end of the spectrum now. I wouldn't call him a superstar anymore. I don't think they're. I definitely don't think they're up there with the. Uh, you know, the super team the Heat put up. You know, put together in 2011, or or what the Warriors have out there. But it, they're they're a super team to a degree. Okay, because they were. The thing is, is like you mentioned, the Heat. And those guys were all NBA players. Made either one of the three teams currently when they left. Um, the Warriors have three, should have had four. Paul George didn't make the All-NBA team. That's probably why he got traded. Because if he would have made the All-NBA team, he would have re-signed with Indiana because he would have gotten so much money, it would have been sick. Yeah. And Carmelo Anthony, he's been on the downside of his career for a long time. I know he looks good right now, and I like Carmelo Anthony. Okay, he, I think he's fantastic. But I don't think he's going to carry anybody. In fact, he's going to do a lot of chucking. That guy's a notorious chucker. People were trying to tell me the other day in some Facebook, on, on some social media, how when Carmelo Anthony gets double teamed, look at all his options. Carmelo Anthony's had options before this, and he failed to use them. Players don't usually change their spots in their way they play. I think it's going to be more of an issue than you think. I saw the whole game I did see. I can't remember who they were playing. But he came down the floor three times in a row, and he was the only one who touched the ball all three times. That's what you're going to see. That's why I used to call him the me, myself, and mellow show. So I don't <laughs> think I don't think he's going to be that guy who's going to lead this team. I don't think he's going to take a back seat to anybody either. Do you? Well, uh, you know, <clears throat> from what he said, and what uh, Paul George has said is that they realized that. You know they're they're coming on to Russell Westbrook's team. He's been here for ten years. Um, he's the one that stuck around. You know last you know last summer and uh, you know won the MVP. And they you know what they say is that they they realize they're coming on to Russell Westbrook's team. You know whether they can make that adjustment uh, and actually live that is uh, is another story. It's, and that's what I think. You know why I think. Um, uh, Zach Lowe, you know, named them as one of the top teams to watch this year because of that drama and see how it plays out. Oh, yeah. You, you, re you read that column, too, did you? Yeah, I did. I'm not a big yeah, fan of Zach Lowe. Zach Lowe's not a friend of mine. I'm not a friend. Of, well, I don't know. But uh, anyway, yeah, he did say they're going to be watchable, though. That's the whole thing. Every one of these teams that we just talked about are all going to be watchable for different reasons, I think. You know, if you like pure basketball, you're going to watch the Spurs. If you want to see great defense, you're going to watch the Jazz. If you want to see the Harlem Globetrotters, watch the Warriors. 
If you want to see a team fall on their ass, watch the Clippers. Uh, let me see. The Thunder, they're going to be interesting because... Drama queens. Yeah, well, you've got Russell... Shakespeare. If you like Shakespeare, you're going you to got watch got Russell Westbrook, though. <laughs> Dude, man, that... You know, he came off this Herculean effort last year, a triple-double. I never thought I'd see that. And, it, and, in fact, the person I thought that would accomplish this, and I said this on this show four or five years ago, I thought Kevin Durant would because there was a season where he took this amazing turn and he was passing the ball more. And I thought he might be that guy. I never thought it would be Westbrook because I didn't think that they would get enough. he would get enough opportunities to rebound. But he can thank Billy Donovan for that because Billy devised the schemes to keep his job and to keep Russell, and it worked. So hats off to them, right? Well, I was going to say with the, with the team they had last year, with you know as young as they were and as shallow as they were, you know they had didn't have any worst three pointing sh- shooting team in the NBA. You know there was a a scheme put together because Thunder put I mean uh, Westbrook puts teams at such a disadvantage when he gets that defensive rebound because he comes down the floor so quick before you can set up and you get an opportunity of those easy shots so yeah there was definitely a, a plan involved what it wasn't the rebounds that surprised me because like I said you could see really early on that he was going to you know amass quite a few rebounds and he came up just a few like a few tenths of I think getting the triple double season the year before and it was the rebounds that he came up short so it was pretty obvious early on that he was going to get the rebound numbers what i was surprised was losing kevin durant losing uh serge Ibaka, that he was going to be able to keep his assist numbers up with the group that he had because we you know we know that they when we saw it where teams were just they collapsed on stephen adams and uh you know kind of cut down on what he was you know able to do you had your limitations out on the perimeter and but yet he was, you know, able to get the the assist numbers. It seemed like with ease. And that's why why I think this this group with Carmelo Anthony and Paul George is going to work. A lot of people think, you know, it's going to be Carmelo Anthony or Paul George that's going to sacrifice their numbers. I think it's going to be Russell Westbrook. I think he's going to give up shots and things like that, and the, his, his assists could go through the roof once they figure this out. Well, there you go. That's exactly right. I tried to tell somebody else that the other day, and they didn't believe me. They said they think he can get this triple-double again. And I said, not with Paul George and Carmelo Anthony on the floor. And then the same person out of the same mouth. And it was really strange. I wonder, it's a Thunder fan, of course. Um, Steven Adams, they said he's going to average 15 and 11 this season. Huh? He averaged 11.3 last year. It wouldn't yeah. take but just a couple of more shots. It wouldn't, but is he going to yeah, but is he going to get them? Yeah, I think so. I believe he will. Yeah? Um, How? Well, because Russell's still in control of the ball coming down the floor. Until he passes it. Then he's out of control again. I know Russell, he, likes, if... Russell likes to run the pick and roll with him. I know that. And Russell has a lot of confidence in him. I know that. But do the other guys? Don't well, with Russell, I think, if, you know, when he comes down the floor, if, if, the, if the defense is sagging out, you know, on the perimeter to, you know, if Carmelo or or Paul George are hot, you know, and they're sagging out and giving, giving uh, Stephen Adams some space, he's going to turn the, the Game of Thrones beast loose on them. And if they're, and if they start, and then when they start to pack back down to shut that off, then he's going to start, you know, hitting the perimeter. You know, it's just like Billy Donovan said, it's not about the number of passes. 
that makes good ball movement. It's getting the getting the open shot, and uh, you know I think that's what the Thunder are going to be shooting for more than you know I don't think they want to get into that you know that offense like the the Spurs run where they pass the ball seven eight nine times in any given possession and uh, you know slow the pace down. I think the Thunder still want to play at a high pace, and uh, it's just you know making smart passes is going to be the key. And whether they find their rhythm or not, uh, you know, through halfway through the season is not critical. It's what they have going on, you know, in April, May, and, and possibly onward is what's really going to count. Well, I agree with that, too. I like this team. Now, the one thing, though, is who's the backup point guard? Who's it going to be? Well, at this point, it's, it's Raymond Felton. And he's definitely an upgrade over Samas Christian. And... uh you know, he banged up his left wrist the other night. A lot of people think it was on the screen, but he was actually holding that wrist, I noticed, about two or three plays before that. I think the I think the, the hard screen just kind of finished it off, but I haven't heard what the result if that was if that's gonna be a long term thing. Um if if Raymond Felton goes down, I think I think Cannon will t- get the job the third third spot over Samash Christian. Uh, this Daniel Hamilton, uh, this kid they signed to the two-way deal, uh, they're working him, wanting him to develop his point guard skills, and his act- he's actually looked pretty decent in this in this preseason. Some of them have, yeah. I think they can't carry four. Samaj think- still has a has an ugly, ugly mechanics with his shot. I mean, he'll he'll always be that you know the answer to that trivia question who you know who made the shot that that got Russell the triple double season, and uh, but. Uh, Unfortunately, I think that's going to be the extent of his legacy. Well, you know, they used to say the same thing about Roberson, too, remember? He couldn't shoot. He still can't shoot, but still he shoots. Still can't shoot. Doesn't matter, though. He plays defense. See, that's what I was trying to teach people, but they didn't want to listen because, you know, the, people like to see bucket score. They don't really care. And then when you had the Catch and Choke brothers together out there launching all night, it made it easy. Memphis. Memphis finished the seventh seed last season. Memphis has lost the grit and grind for real this year. They're gone. I think so, too. Uh, as much as playoff, big a fan as I am of Mike Conley, I think he's going to have to make his big adjustment or more of an adjustment because their style is going to be so, so different from what he's been used to all of his career that it's really going to be a struggle for him. Oh, yeah. But it could turn out all right. Marcus All still one of the better players out there. Mm-hmm. Best passing center, I think. Um, Mike Connolly. Hey, this is going to hurt my Beyond the Arc show I do with Kevin Leip. Because Memphis people don't care about their teams if they suck. Just the way it is. They got enough to do there. You know, this yeah. is a different thing. They, and they haven't really stunk for a long time. And I, I'm not saying that they're going to stink this year. But here's the thing. When you've got currently Wayne Selden as your number two, you're going to have issues. Now, they did do a couple things, right? They picked up Tyreek Evans. Yeah. And they picked up Ben McLemore. So the identity looks to be shifting toward more of a let's shoot threes, as evidenced by Marc Gasol shooting lots of them last year. But then you got Chandler Parsons playing the four. Chandler Parsons, everything in this season for this Grizzlies team rests on his knees, and I don't think his knees are going to hold up. Well, he didn't come through as you know as the as their big free agent pick last last season at all. Well, he was hurt. 
He came through off the court, though. He was dating Kendall Jenner and hanging <laughs> out. No, he came through. People said he wasn't Memphis enough because he wasn't putting in the work. And he went to Mexico during the All-Star break because, well, that's what guys do. I mean, but this team is in trouble. They're rebuilding. They did bring back Mario Chalmers. Mario Chalmers has looked really good. They signed Jim Michael Green, re-signed him at the last hour. It was weird. He was looking for Tim Hardaway Jr. money, and he didn't get it. And I was kind of surprised that he didn't get it, but he's with them. And they've got this kid from Serbia, Rade Zagorac, mm -hmm. and he's going to be okay too. And, and the kid they drafted, Dylan Brooks, has put in some quality time. Mike Conley has got to play 38 minutes a night if this team is going to go anywhere because nothing for nothing but Andrew Harrison and Wade Baldwin the fourth, they're not going to get it done, not even close to getting it done. Maybe Chalmers can come in a little bit. But I see Chalmers starting at the two. I see this team missing the playoffs. Damn it. I'm a grit and grind Grizzlies fan. Believe it or not, I am too. Uh, you know, when when the even with you know during the those uh incredible playoff series that the Thunder and the uh, Grizzly were having, you know, you just <clears throat> couldn't help but respect what you were watching. I mean they were just there was just no quit to them. I don't think I don't think that's going to change. Yeah, but they lost their heart and soul when they let Zach Randolph and Tony Allen go, and that's big. But we'll see, you know. But I don't think it's going to take a miracle for them to make the playoffs. Now, I I gotta say this: I I'm a Portland Trailblazers fan. I'm not a fan of most of their online fan base. I don't care about that. But I like this team. I always have. This team could be really good. Or it could fall on its face. I think everything hinges upon Yusuf Nurkic being healthy. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. If something happens to him, you saw what they did when the trade happened. They were killing everybody again. That's how they got into the playoffs. They snuck in, really. Yeah. They better, this guy better play 65 games or this team isn't doing jack. And if he is, if he is in there, you know, you mentioned uh, Gasol is the best passing big. This guy's no slouch. No, he's not. No, he's not. And then we're going to talk about another one in a minute that's pretty good from Denver. Because I got a couple sleeper teams, but needless to say, Damian Lillard is Damian Lillard. CJ McCollum has played really well. When he had, when he was given the opportunity, but their bench is thin. Anthony Morrow, Evan Turner, or Mo Harkless, depending on what day of the week it is. Ed Davis, Zach Collins. People are telling <laughs> me how this Zach Collins is going to be this big time star, and I just don't see it yet. Maybe it will, but I don't see it. And then you got Myers Leonard. I've been hearing about Myers Leonard for so long that you know I, I think. I don't even know how to describe it. And he just lets you down so often. And Noah Vonley's another one. Noah Vonley, everyone was talking about him. Oh, he's going to be so great. And he's just average at best. Yeah. How does this team, how does this team survive without, if, if Damian gets hurt or CJ get one of those guys gets hurt, that's it. Well, you know, the, the, you know, like I said, it, I think that applies though to to any team, you know, or most teams are susceptible to it. If you're not the Golden State Warriors, right. you know, you can have one of your, you know, 
they can have one of their main guys go down and probably, you know, just keep chugging right along. But, uh, you know, anyone else loses one of their main guys like that, it's going to hurt. But Oklahoma City Thunder, they lost their main guy to free agency, and it didn't hurt them that much. Didn't seem didn't like hurt. it. Didn't seem like it, but uh, I'm trying. It, really, the more the midseason, you know, kind of catch you in the middle of, of the season, you know, and, and break your, you know, break your rhythm, type situation. I mean, we even the and I said that about the Golden State Warriors when Kevin Durant went down for those what twenty games last year. Mm-hmm. It took them about seven or eight games to kind of get back on back back on, you know, back on track. But you know, because you get used to a certain sets and stuff, and but. Uh, that I think I, you know, the Portland Trailblazers, you know, they squeaked into the playoffs last year. I think with some spots opening up, I think they're they're still in the playoff hunt. Oh, I think they're going to make the playoffs, but their bench is weak. They're going they to won't have go to, far. No, they won't go far, and that's a pity, really. But what are you going to say? I'm sure the soccer moms out there will be thrilled to hear what I had to say about them today. But that's okay. I'm going to tell you something. I was a big fan last year of the Denver Nuggets. I don't know if you knew that or not. Maybe you did. I -hmm. thought that they were going to make the playoffs, and I thought that the Portland Trailblazers weren't going to make the playoffs. And I got to say, I am really impressed with what they did there. They they just re-signed Gary Harris, which was very smart. They brought in Paul Millsap. That was that's that's what's, that's smart. the big huge difference for the for the the Denver Nuggets last year and this year. Paul Millsap just Mr. Reliable, you know what you're going to get every single night. You know he's a pro's pro. Uh, goes out there and you know does the dirty work, and he can score. Uh, he's going to be a great floor leader for him. He's going to bring in that veteran presence that uh, I think they've been lacking a little bit. And uh, you know he, I think he makes a huge I think he makes a bigger difference for that team than a lot of people think are think gonna realize. Oh, defensively especially. That's where they're gonna be special defensively. Now the the trick here is they've got a heck of a bench. This well, team is deep. Well look at look what Paul Paul Melsap. He moves K- Kenneth Fareed to the bench. This guy can rebound. He is oh, a yeah. rebounding machine. And uh you know he's one of those guys that uh if if the if the Nuggets are looking to make a trade and try to move Fareed, he's one of those guys you hate to play against, and you're like, but when he comes up on the trade board, you're like, get him, get him, get him. That would be a player I would love to add to the Thunder roster. Yeah, but who would you have to? Well, who would you? What would you give up to get him? Mm. What would help the Denver Nuggets? Because that's what they're going to trade him for. They're not looking to rebuild. They're looking to bang somebody in the playoffs. You don't have anybody. Who are you going to trade him? Was wanting something and getting it obviously are two different things. Yeah, but Kenneth Fareed. But here's the thing: there's going to be teams in the East that they're going to be able to pick that low-hanging fruit. Yeah, that's what they'll do. And I think that they may make a deal, and they may make a deal with someone, say like Philadelphia. Philadelphia is overloaded now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could get rid of somebody, and he would be perfect. But they also have Will Barton coming off the bench. Mason Plumley, another guy who can pass. But let's not forget the guy they say he's the best passing big man, I think, is currently is Nikola Jokic. Can you imagine having a team where no last season at this time we're talking about Nurkic being the guy and we weren't even talking about Jokic and he comes in and does everything. And that was fantastic. Then they got <laughs> Wilson Chandler, Jamal Murray stepped right in there and Emmanuel Moutier, not so much. 
So, but but the thing is, is you've got these kids coming off the bench who are also former starters or who are electrifying, like say Will Barton. Then you got Juan Hernan Gomez, who's a good player. You mentioned Kenneth Farid, and what you have here is the makings of a fantastic team, a must-see team. I think must-see TV is Denver. In fact, here's the deal. This is what I'm think I'm going to do for my listening audience. I'm going to try to get no dose to sponsor me or maybe a coffee company like I used to have Starbucks to sponsor me so I can hook you all up with some great deals so you can stay awake to watch the Western Conference because it's going to be electrifying every night no matter what. You don't need Zach Lowe to tell you that. All you need are your eyeballs and your ears listening to this show. Yeah, I've been waiting on you to get to Denver because that's the team that's scary. That's oh. a scary team. They're not going to start off 9-16 and 16 this year. No, well, if they do... It's because somebody got hurt, but I got to tell you, they're scary. And that was that that batch at the end there when they lost a couple thing little pieces there, injuries. They would have made, they should have made that playoffs. That opening the season sucked for them, and that hurt. But this is a team that's been together now for a year. Mason Plumley coming off the bench, that's amazing. I mean, that right there. Kenneth Fareed coming off the bench. Will Barton. You know, this starting five could probably start, this bench of five could probably start for a couple teams in the East. Well, you know, a lot of people think, and I agree with them, that, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook's MVP moment was that three-point make against the the Nuggets. (laughs) That's what it was. Late in the season. And you take this team, this Denver Nugget team, that moment never happens because I don't think the Thunder are even close in that game. At that point. Nope. That's a very good point, too. But I like this Denver Nuggets team. And then finally, the team I think is going to make a lot of noise this season. Flying under the radar, as usual, are the Minnesota Timberwolves. They brought in Jeff Teague. They brought in Jimmy Butler. They brought in Taj Gibson. They brought in uh, Jamal Crawford. Uh-huh. This is a team that's been revamped, but yet kept its core together, a core of young guys to go with Butler and Teague. Teague is very good for this team. Taj Gibson is no nonsense. This is going to be a good basketball team. I think that they're going to be a team to reckon with, and I think that they're going to finally win their first playoff series against somebody. I, I don't see them as an AC, is what I'm saying. You know, and the Thunder are going to get a big dose of the the Timberwolves to kick off the season. They play them in the third game of the season and in the fifth game. Right. Get them out of the so, way early. I don't this know if that's a when, good thing This is or when you want to play really. them. You want to play them you know, before they get gelled. True. True. But uh, the, the Thunder aren't nearly gelled either at this point. Well, that's right. See, that's the thing about these quote-unquote air quotes, I should say, super teams. It takes a while to put them together. Yeah. And, you know, we were, you know, I mentioned the, the Heat, if you remember, they, they had their struggles. Even the even the Warriors last year, that, the you know, the, the incidents that we saw between Draymond Green and Kevin Durant. That's <laughs> uh, why I think the, the best thing that could have happened to Kevin Durant was going to the, uh, to the, the Golden State Warriors, I told Sherman this, you know, during that summer, you know, if he just, just not, you know, burn that, tried to burn the house down behind him, 
I don't think he would have caught near the grief that he's caught and, uh, you know, what he was hoping that would happen when they won the championship, you know, and his reputation, everything come back would have happened. But going to the, to the Warriors was a perfect fit for Kevin. He needed someone like Kevin, that like Draymond Green, that didn't just his, he, I don't care if it's Kevin Durant or not. If he's not doing his job, I'm getting in his face. And he didn't care who was watching it when it happened. You know, he did it uh, during the game against the Grizzlies when Kevin Durant chucks that shot up with 13 seconds left on the shot clock. Draymond Green's dancing up and down on the sidelines. I, I love that video. But the one against the Kings uh, when they, uh, you know, when they're coming out of halftime. Uh, do you remember that video clip? I, I don't, but go ahead and refresh my memory. I see a lot of videos every day. Well, Draymond Green, it, it, early in the clip, he's, he comes up to Kevin Durant really close, and he's jumping up and down with both hands in the air. And, and while I'm watching him do it, I go, I know exactly what he's fussing about. And so I went back and I checked the numbers. And sure enough, Kevin Durant was one for four in the first, in the first half. Right, okay, he wasn't, yeah. He wasn't feeling it. So what he was doing was he wasn't engaging in the offense. He was standing behind a defender, jumping up and down. Well, who's going to do that for this Minnesota Timberwolves team? Because Andrew Wiggins, he's going to want his shots because he's he's got historically high usage numbers, like top 10 numbers. Is it going to be Taj Gibson? Is he going to have the street cred to come right into that locker room and say, hey, you guys, cool it? Because it won't be Jeff Teague, and it won't be – I don't think it'll be Jimmy Butler either. I mean, who is it? Well, Thibodeau <laughs> can do that, but – you know, it I, it has to be a player, though. I've learned that. And who it could it be, I don't know. But one thing I do know is that's going to be an exciting team to watch because they're young, too. And Carl Anthony Towns is getting better and better and better. And there's no question that this is going to be a good team. I think, I think they're going to win themselves a playoff series. I think what's going to happen is you're going to see Kevin Garnett on the bench at the end of the season in a suit and a tie coaching. Well, I thought it was a great move by the Timberwolves following, you know, the Jimmy Butler uh, signing, you know, to bring in Tosh Gibson and reunite those guys. And Jeff but, Teague. Jeff Teague plays the type of upscale point guard. He'll pass the ball. The thing I used to hoot on Jeff Teague a lot on my Atlanta Hawks show, the one I used to host. But one thing I can tell you is when he sees that man, that ball's there, he's very good at reading things. And I got to tell you, this is going to be a fun season, and it starts in nine days. Nine freaking days. RK, Just nine man. days away. RK, dude, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. A lot of fun, Phil. I really appreciate it. You have a great day, and we will talk at you later. We will. Now, here's the deal. Folks, if you get the opportunity, and I hope that you do, you should already be familiar with Welcome to Loud City. Now, you go find his Sons of Thunder articles. That's RK Anthony. You go find out when he's doing his Facebook live shows and go listen to it. Because I'm telling you, it's a lot of fun. Are you on Twitter? Uh, yeah, I actually had a uh, a tweet of uh, of uh, the new kid, Terrence Ferguson, who we didn't mention, who is what he was supposed to be coming out of that Australian league, and we, I think we got a good taste of why. Uh, he's much more mature than most rookies at this stage. Uh, he, you know, had a nice dunk in the game against the Pelicans, and I happened to catch it, put it on Twitter, and it went viral. And where would that be? At uh, let's see, I'll have to pull that up. I mean, do I always, you know that? What is your handle on Twitter? That's what I was going to pull up. I always oh, forget. Right. You don't know it. <laughs> see, 
I'm the same way. I think mine is Flash Tennis 31, but I'm not sure. But because uh, I never talk about my Twitter here or my Facebook page or anything else, I don't beg for reviews. I don't care about any of those things. I've been here for ten years. Who's going to knock me off this perch? Nobody. You can find me at at RK Anthony WTLC. There you go. On Twitter. And, there uh, you go. Perfect. All right. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Phil Nason Show. We'll be back on Thursday. Alex Reclean will be here. We'll talk a little fantasy football, DraftKings, and FanDuel. Until next time, y'all take care of yourselves. Be good. And most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you.